0: From Latrobe Asia and the Australia India Institute, this is India Rising. I'm Matt Smith. In this podcast mini-series, we'll be looking at the country of India, how it works, how it doesn't, and how it got to be the place that it is today.
1: Joining me today, as always, my name's Robin Jeffrey. Uh, I'm an emeritus professor of
0: Latrobe University. Episode five: Religion and caste. These are two of the major dividing lines in India. The first, religion. This group's people primarily a Hindu majority or a significant minority of Muslim. Of course, other religions do apply. Hindus are grouped further by caste, a level of society that can influence everything from where you live to what job you have and who you marry. While laws and social initiatives have tried to counteract inequality and discrimination, it does still happen. This is India rising. I suppose the major
1: matter of scale when we talk about the population of India is simply the immensity of it, that we're talking about now 1.3 billion people, huge population. And any percentage of that, of course, amounts to millions of people. So the rough population breakdown in India is uh, about 80 percent, Hindus but divided in many many different ways by language by caste but about 80 percent Hindu 14 or 15 percent Muslim then two and a half to three percent Sikhs another two and a half to three percent Christians and then various other sects and faiths that uh, go along with that. It makes for a Perhaps the most complex country in the world, the Indian state has to contain so many different religious beliefs and practices that it's immensely difficult The country of India really equates to the European Union in size, and it has a population nearly three times greater than the European Union. It's an immense aggregation of people to try to hold together, and it's not surprising that religions bump into each other sometimes, sometimes very hard indeed.
0: Mm. But having over 80% thereabouts being Hindu, that's more than a billion people. That's most of the Hindus in the world then, isn't it?
1: That would be right. We often get a figure that there are about 25 million non-resident Indians in the rest of the world. Not all of them would be Hindus, but mm. probably the majority would. So they're a very small proportion of uh, the potentially Hindu population globally. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. The, the question then is the, the role that uh, religion plays in politics, which is what in 2018 has been more and more at the front when people are discussing India or reading about India. To begin to uh, understand that, one has to go back to the fact that There is a country called Pakistan, which has existed since 1947. And Pakistan was founded as a safe state for the Muslims of India. Mm. The only problem was that only about half the Muslims of India lived in what was then Pakistan, of what was British India. A very large proportion, somewhere around 12 to 13 percent. Of the population of what became a Hindu majority India uh, was still within the borders of that India India was left with the second or third today probably close to being the second largest Muslim population in the world today India's Muslim population is approaching the same as Pakistan and probably surpasses the Muslim population of Bangladesh which of course, long ago, was East Pakistan. Mm,
0: mm -hmm. You say that India's Muslim population is almost as big as Pakistan's Muslim population. Just out of curiosity, does Pakistan have a large Hindu population? No, very tiny. Very tiny?
1: Very tiny now. A few tens of thousands of both Sikhs and Hindus left in Pakistan, Mm. partly because India's Muslim population is spread across the whole country. The Muslim population of Pakistan is largely what was the old northwest of India. The the religious component of India is much more dispersed, much more evenly dispersed. The terrible violence of 1947 meant that Hindus and Sikhs fled what became Pakistan, and North Indian Muslims fled India to reach Pakistan. Mm. And that has had huge implications subsequently, not just for the terrible, bitter memories, which are now becoming a bit faint. We're three generations away from 1947, but when I went to India first in nineteen sixty seven it was only twenty years off. but the stories were horrendous, terrible, terrible stories. and hundreds of thousands of people were slaughtered at that time. some would say millions, certainly hundreds of thousands. And in the most awful sorts of uh, ways with knives and very kind of close encounters, I think still the largest transfer of populations in modern certainly in modern history in terms of numbers and in proportions of populations. Mm-hmm. Now, that legacy is there. And of course, the other legacy that poisons the relationship between India and Pakistan is the question of Kashmir. Legally, uh, under the terms of 1947, the Maharaja joined us, it's ours. And of course, they've scrapped over it ever since. And it's become increasingly bloody, certainly uh, on both sides, but particularly Pakistan has seen it as a way of draining Indian uh, resources Mm -hmm. uh, with insurgencies that can be fairly easily sponsored, particularly given the wars in Afghanistan over the last 40 years and the fact that weapons are so freely available and young men trained in weaponry are available to use those weapons. So it's, it's a bleeding sore that poisons internal politics, particularly in
0: India. This rivalry between Pakistan and India extends deeply along religious lines as well. So how does that bleed into the relationship between Hindus and Muslims within the borders of India?
1: It can be inconsequential to Hindus and Muslims in the south, perhaps even in the east, but it can be stirred up, of course, at any time. The, uh, the ways in which it can be stirred up for political reasons are if Indian Muslims wave Pakistani flags at the end of a cricket game that Pakistan has won. Yeah, that's yeah. a sure sign of uh, there's going to be trouble because that's deemed to be anti-patriotic.
0: It's a red flag to a bull.
1: Yeah, it is. It's, in fact, it's a green and white flag yeah, sure. to, a, to, a, <laughs> to a bull to a cow, I guess. What the, the Hindu right wing would see as a terrible sort of uh, provocation and an indication that all Muslims in India are not to be trusted.
0: Mm. There is deliberate provocation, though. Um, uh, Modi made the most of this during his election. He made the most out of the religious divide. And at the moment, you've got the right wing of uh, the BJP, trying to fan the flames a little?
1: It goes back uh, a very long way. The The RSS, the Rashtriya Sangh, the National Self-Help or Self-Improvement Organization, was founded in the 1920s with the inspiration of... Uh, in part, of uh, Mussolini's fascists in Italy. The the goal has been a Hindu rashtra, a Hindu polity, in which Hindu virtues would be uh, the values on which the Indian state would be built. And anyone else who wanted to live there would have to play along with those values. One of them, of course, is a ban on cow slaughter. And that's been particularly germane in the last four years as the government led by Narendra Modi has given not the go-ahead so much as the the nudge-nudge, wink-wink, go-ahead and make life very difficult for people who are butchers, for Mm. people who need to sell their cattle to butchers. Individual states can ban cow slaughter, and many have done. And of course, in the last three or four years, there have been cases of people being murdered or beaten up for being purported cow killers carrying cows to be executed somewhere. Mm. So it's, it's a highly emotive issue, which in terms of pure politics is seen as a way of uniting all Hindus. And if we can unite all Hindus, we can create a government that will be re-elected over and over and over again, because Hindus are a majority. Uh, Division of this kind is a political device. It's a way of trying to get the vote out. It can be quite a powerful device. But the problem is, of course, that among Hindus there are so many divisions. There are divisions of caste and there are divisions of language. And 15% of people who are notionally Hindus are scheduled castes or untouchables. The people we refer to today is Dalit, Mm, mm -hmm. D-A-L-I-T. So 15% is 180 million people, about the same number as there are of Muslims. Another 7% of that population are what are referred to as scheduled tribes, that is tribal people who have lived in remote areas for many years and have a different social form of organization Mm. from Hindus in the plains. And tribals are terribly vulnerable today because they so often inhabit areas that have valuable natural resources. So developers want to come in, move them off the land so they can dig it up, cut it down, or turn it into a subdivision. Mm. Those sorts of uh, difficulties are there. So there's a large proportion of the nominally or, or Hindu population or the population that the RSS would like to claim as its own that population is has some very very different values and some very very different needs and and expectations from the dominant upper caste Hindus who run the RSS and the
0: Bharatiya Janata Party. Mm. So for those who aren't familiar with it, how does how does the caste system work? Is it tied heavily into religion? Is it an aspect of religion and? how much does it matter to your average Indian?
1: That's a difficult question because it will vary um, around a, the country. It, yeah, yeah, I know, I know yeah. that,
0: but it's, it's such an unfamiliar concept, I suppose, to somebody who's outside India to yes. have such a yeah. caste system that's yeah. that integrated into a society. The,
1: well, I think everybody probably has heard of the four big categories. There are Brahmins, warriors, merchants, and workers, and then there are people who are so lowly, they don't qualify in any of those four. Mm. These big groups don't have a great deal of meaning, except for the, for Brahmins, perhaps. But it's the subcastes that determine life in villages and determine marriage. And it's in marriage that you see caste... Reproduce itself and it still reproduces itself. If you go to websites like shadimarriage.com, sure, you'll, yeah. you'll see uh, page after page of uh, marriages uh, where you you learn very quickly the cast of the boy or the girl. Is it a
0: search category thing? Can you, can you, you search You can search on caste? the basis of cast, of course. Okay. So, I won't ask you why you're trolling that website. But, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, no, only, only as a matter of academic interest. Yeah, sure, interest, sure. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, the, <laughs> um, in the old days, you'd buy the Sunday newspaper and they would be broken down in the same way. Really? So, um, but it's much easier now because if you want an Agarwal girl um, who's a BA graduate in home economics who has a weedish complexion you can put all those
0: in and it's, and it's a search function do you put in things like dowry thresholds or whatever the, You're not, you know
1: have... you can't uh, you can't talk about dowry now because dowry is illegal you see except it's it's, it's, not. it's illegal <laughs> it's illegal but it's not Ill- it it, hap- it happens yeah sometimes the old code and I'm not sure if this is still the, the current code used to be decent marriage and decent meant you better bring your checkbook daddy if you want to marry this
0: girl yeah or Okay, So the caste system still has a role in arranging marriages. Certainly in marriages. And it's a way of mobilizing votes. Mm. Because
1: if your group seems to be losing out in some way. Uh, let me give you an example. There was a film that hadn't been released, but it was reputed to cast dispersions to cast on rajputs a warrior caste of uh, northern and western india mm. and uh, there were demonstrations there were buses burned there was traffic was stopped for days and days and days because rajputs were seen to be being uh, denigrated in this film, even though the film hadn't been released. And when the film was released, Rajputs came out of it looking pretty good, as if you, I gather, I've not seen the film. Nevertheless, the point was, there were elections coming, and Rajputs were a big block of votes in a couple of the states where these elections were going to be held. And it was a way of whipping up some enthusiasm and reminding people that the BJP governments in the two states I'm thinking of, and at the national level, they look after Rajputs. They're mm. there to look after the interests of top Hindu castes without having to say that quite so explicitly, because you wouldn't want to alienate people who might not come from top Hindu caste you're just saying no no Rajputs your pride is in safe hands with us again not said so explicitly but that very much an underlying message of these demonstrations so so caste is a powerful thing as I say I think it it means a lot for marriage it means a lot at the dividing end between caste Hindus and untouchables uh, Dalits Dalits are still under terrible pressure in rural India even as they become more uh, more literate, a little bit better off, I think one could say there are no senior Indian media people who are Dalits, even though they are one hundred and eighty million.
0: So, there's that sort of employment discrimination. Yeah. uh, Which isn't, of course, supposed to be there. No, there's a law against it now, isn't there? But, you know, okay.
1: And there's also, um, as again, the critics are quick to point out, there is reservation in government service. Some jobs are reserved for scheduled castes and scheduled tribes to try to equalize in some way so mm-hmm. it's uh, affirmative action those sorts of divisions are terribly important as i say there's this, a social aspect to this which manifests itself in marriage preference marriage demands and there's a political one in that caste forms ways of attempting to mobilize votes to win state and national elections oh yeah sure sure but it's it, it's also extremely segmented because the castes that exist in the South Indian state of Tamil Nadu won't exist in the North Indian state of Rajasthan. The subcastes will be completely different. They would have nothing in common and they, of course, would speak different languages. Mm. It's one of the difficulties for Dalits in these circumstances that Dalits have subcastes amongst themselves. So not all untouchables are the same. Mm. Some would consider themselves better than better than others, wouldn't intermarry necessarily, and they're divided by language. So some will speak Tamil, some will speak Bengali, some will speak Hindi, which means you don't have a particular geographical area that as a, a voting block mm-hmm. you can take over. You have reserved seats for your people in State legislatures and the national legislature, but too often those seats are filled by people who are clients of wealthier, more powerful interests. Uh, yeah. Puppet might be too strong a word, but certainly clients
0: of yeah. such yeah.
1: people. Uh, there's a saying in North India: uh, "Jat ki beti jat ko; jat ki vote, jat ko." As you give your daughter to a jat, the jat is a, a subcast. Yeah. As you give your daughter to a jat, you give your vote to a jat. I say so, Yeah. Uh, they're kind of tied, mm. tied up together in that way. But it's still socially terribly important for the majority of the population to mi- marry their child to somebody of the same subcaste.
0: So can you tell me a, a bit more about the Dalits? And uh, I believe that their role, their origin is uh, connected to hygiene. This comes back into religion as well because there's a religion... Perspective of hygiene and cleanliness. Yeah,
1: well, certainly, uh, 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 Dalits or scheduled casts. Uh when the British arrived, were performing, and still do perform in many villages, the most ugly tasks. So they deal with night soil, they deal with dead animals, they do tanning of skins. They're a little bit similar to burakumin in Japan, mm. but uh, a much more deeply embedded category, I think, even than burakumin. Their presence Is deemed to be, or was deemed to be, so offensive that to touch them meant that the cast Hindu person then had to go and take a bath before they could go to the temple, before they could eat their food, uh, and thus the expression untouchability. So, Dalits performed all the nastiest tasks in village life and later and today too in urban life the refuse business in India at its most menial level is uh, heavily delegated to Dalit simply because it's work they can get Mm. and it can be reliable work even the terrible stories you read. One of the the awful things that still happens is there are tens of thousands of dry latrines and dry latrines are just a couple of blocks and people defecate and then the sweeper comes, the Dalit sweeper, and removes the excrement with a couple of pieces of tin, puts the excrement in a basket and moves on to the next house yeah. and cleans the next latrine. It's a lousy, lousy job as the old nightmen of Melbourne, I guess, would have told you working in slightly better conditions 120 or 30 years ago. Having said all of that, even today we get accounts of families wanting to hold on to that privilege of cleaning all the latrines in this particular little corner of a a small town or a village because of the reliability people cannot do without you there's a kind of dependability Mm -hmm. about this pretty noxious task and partly why it still exists also because many of the towns where this still survives very little effort has been into eradicating it.
0: If I could uh, take it back to uh, the Muslim-Hindu relation, Mm. is religious violence in India a big problem? Uh, Is there a religious divide? How safe is it for the two religions to interact?
1: This is what seems to me the huge threat India is posing, or the government of India is almost posing for itself. It has perhaps the second or third largest Muslim population in the world more than 180 million people. And these people have provided very few recruits to ISIS, to the Islamic movements in West Asia over the last 20 years, very few recruits from from among Indian Muslims, very little internal terrorism, if you like, that can be traced to Indian Muslims. In fact, very little relative to the rest of the world and what we see elsewhere. And yet the current government is doing everything it can to rub the noses of Indian Muslims in the dirt by constant insults, regular insults, the bans on cow slaughter and the kind of vigilante ways of enforcing those bans. Mm. It's not that previous governments were particularly solicitous When you look at the proportion of Muslims in Indian public services, things particularly like police and the military, it's less than 2%, even though the population is closer to 15%. That's one of the problems. India, until the last 10 years, had a Muslim elite who were committed to India, and they were one of the best faces that India had. There had been Muslim presidents of India, there had been a Muslim chief of the Indian Air Force, Muslim heads of the Ministry of External Affairs, ambassadors. And, of course, it was a terrific look for a secular India, an India that kind of embraced the world, that lived the principles of Mahatma Gandhi about universal brotherhood. Mm -hmm. But that elite has not been replaced and is not being replaced. The proportion of Muslims in police and army, as I say, around 2%. In the diplomatic service, it's hard to see... Muslim diplomats in their 40s with particularly prominent positions in the Indian diplomatic cadre today, as they did 30 or 40 years ago. Now, it seems to be, if you have a population that has been loyal to the country, has played a part up till now, why intentionally go out to alienate them? Uh, And yet that seems to be what's happening. The BJP find it, not surprisingly, very hard to, and I don't think they try very hard, to uh, run Muslim candidates in elections. Mm. Very few Muslims elected in the great states, even where uh, Muslims are a substantial proportion of the population. So this seems to me is a terribly short-sighted, attitude to be taking, because the old line about China 120 years ago, how long will the dragon sleep? Well, how long will the, the dragon sleep in in this case? How long will 180 million people go before they are attracted to much more violent and militant ways of approaching the dilemmas they find themselves in? Mm. So this isn't a lost cause by any means, but I think it's a terribly dangerous path that there really needs to be uh, from the very top from Narendra Modi and the people around him a much more concerted campaign to say to india's muslims look you are part of this country you you you've got your own lives to live and we respect the way you live them providing it is in accord with the the general laws of the country which at the moment are fairly secular and fairly sensible mm. certainly in the cities and india's urbanizing more and more there's a tendency for muslims to retreat to muslim ghettos in ways that they had done 40 years ago yeah. and that's partly for protection that you there's only your people around you you feel you're more likely to be uh safe but it's also too that um hindu landlords uh, and hindu potential buyers don't want to live with muslims but partly it's just the lack of familiarity. It's the uncertainty. But then, of course, that uncertainty is enhanced by all the stories that we have going back and forth. One of the ones that's been running for the last four years, particularly since the BJP government were elected nationally, is the so-called love jihad that Clever Muslim boys, handsome Muslim boys, are I'm luring the Hindu. luring young, impressionable, silly Hindu girls into marriages and elopements. It seems to me a terrible indictment of what you think of your young women that uh, they're all, uh, you know, suckers for a good-looking boy in a tight pair of jeans. Is is there a lot of conversions? No, not in major terms. And one of the goals of BJP governments, of course, is to prevent conversion, particularly
0: of people leaving a Hindu tradition for a Christian or a Muslim one. Mm. If you had to explain to somebody who didn't know much about India how important religion is, how would you go about that?
1: For probably most Indians, certainly most Indians, when they get up in the morning, they perform some rituals, tasks that are associated with religion. It may be no more than lighting an incense stick in front of a picture of a deity. It might be quite a sustained period of meditation and prayers if they're Hindus. If they're Muslims, they may go to the mosque, certainly a morning prayer. Those religious practices can, of course, have all sorts of social consequences. They'll affect who you want to live beside, whether you want to eat with particular people and whether you'll marry your children to them. And Mm. they can have political ones that uh, it can be very useful for mobilizing the vote, putting together a lot of us's against a smaller number of them's.
0: Mm. The political aspect, you know, that carries through to our society, to America's society, to a lot of different Mm. countries as well. But uh, having it that influential in, in everyday life is something that doesn't happen so much in Western countries to such a degree.
1: As far as being ingrained in daily uh, life practices in India, that ingraining runs fairly deep. You'll see a lot of people performing things. Also, too, even the morning bath, the fact that you should take a morning bath, that's something about not just physical purity, it's about ritual purity. You always take your morning bath before you take any kind of food related to ideas of what it is to be ritually pure as a person living in India and of course some Christians and probably some Muslims too will follow some of these practices simply because the Hindu neighbours do and have done and it seems like just a proper way
0: to behave without necessarily attaching the practice to a religion. Mm. You've been listening to India Rising, a podcast from La Trobe Asia and the Australia India Institute. It featured Robin Jeffrey, and I'm Matt Smith, your host and producer. This has been a podcast from La University. Thanks for listening.